What up, what up, party people? This is Ian Lenhart coming at you from Santa Monica, California, just letting you know that it is a damn good day to have a damn good day. So I'm curious, do you ever put something off so bad that you know you can do, you just absolutely despise doing it, and you almost know what you gotta do, but you still just don't do it? And we're not talking the dishes, all right? We're talking a little bit higher level here. Think about that thing that you've just been putting it off. I mean, for me personally, something that I've been putting off is creating lead funnels when it comes to taking content, having them go through a funnel and actually capturing the email address. I haven't done a good enough job at it. And for some reason, I know every other part of the process, but I've just put that piece away, locked in my brain, just almost just not opening it up makes no sense. And I know I can't be the only one who's doing this in some sort of aspect in their life. Just recently, I opened up that chamber of secrets and said, what up, Jones? We got some learning to do. And I spent the weekend just getting my knowledge the next level on it. And I felt like I just opened up a new barrier. So my question for you is, what is there right now inside your life that you are holding back simply because you despise doing it and you just really don't want to learn it. My challenge for you is to do either two things. Number one, outsource it. Go on Fiverr right now. Go on Upwork or onlinejobs.ph and find somebody that will do that job. Chances are you're going to absolutely make a killing and just lifesaver and overall energy points by outsourcing it to someone and plus it'll get done. And the second thing is just do it, just get it done. So that's the quick message of the day. Let's get into today's podcast. Now I have an absolute treat for you guys as I have one of the fastest growing internet sensations as a guest on the podcast. I was so excited for this one. Let me tell you about Amy Landino. Amy is an award-winning YouTuber, best-selling author, and professional keynote speaker. After following the typical millennial safe path and securing a dream position in the corporate world, Amy discovered her passion for digital marketing. A YouTube channel, facilitating communities, and social media communications quickly came into focus and took over for her as a passion. Now, after leaving Plan A to build a life and career on her own terms, Amy Landino hosts Amy TV, a YouTube series dedicated to helping you go after the life you want. This motivational lifestyle channel has amassed a community of over 200 countries contributing to more than 13 million views. In her new book, Good Morning, Good Life, Amy shares details of how to start every day on your terms. And no, you do not need to be a morning person to do it. By following her five simple habits, you can combat morning obstacles and create the daily rituals that work best for you. And I gotta say, I just really enjoyed this conversation with Amy. I mean, you guys will catch Amy's vibe right from the beginning. Super cool girl, down to earth, so chill but very intelligent. I mean, when she talks about some of the things with influencers and building real community, I was like, mm, I'm gonna take some notes here. So make sure you guys are listening to this all the way through, cause it's freaking buried in golden nuggets. Oh, and by the way, we are doing an epic giveaway for this particular episode. So the first 10 people who do the following are going to get both a damn good day bracelet, as well as a copy of Amy's new book, 
Good Morning, Good Life. All you have to do is two things. Number one, leave the Len Jones Party of Two podcast a written review on the Apple Podcast directory. And number two, just shoot me a direct message on Instagram or Facebook. The first 10 people who do those two things, oh, we shipping this book and this bracelet right to your door. In this episode, we discuss the differences between taking the long route versus the short route when building a brand, strategies to increase your effectiveness with your marketing, your morning routine and how to improve it, and so much more as it relates to building your brand. As always, you can watch this podcast with Amy and I live on YouTube. And without further ado, episode 99 with Amy Landino. Let's jump into it. We're live, Amy TV, Amy Landino. She's in the building. She's your cup of coffee. I'm so grateful you're here. How are you? I'm so good. And how are you? Living the dream, feeling good, waking up. Could use a lot of your tips because, you know, I get up in the morning, I go for my morning walk, I make a coffee, but I feel like coffee doesn't do it for me like this early in the morning. I got to get get the blood circulating. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> I mean, for me, and I break it down in my book, I mean, like, it's all about what's best for you. I think um, there's a misconception with morning routines that it's like got to be at a certain time. And to me, it's just when are you going to make more time for yourself, not necessarily for everyone else. And I think that's what decides what do you do to start the day? When does that happen? What are those things going to be? And so, yes, I do. The more uh, my husband's been doing a little series on YouTube, they're doing a lot of sleep research right now. Um, I'm all about the morning routine. The more we look into it, it's like so crazy how much like exercise first thing in the morning, as much as it's not my thing, first thing in the morning exercise is very optimal. So I can definitely see where there's quite a few people that are like, if they're really going to get the day started, they've got to do something to move their body, which is why movement is at least one category of something I recommend to start the day. But for me, it's usually like massaging the muscles on my face and like doing some stretches and then I'll get to my workout in a little bit. <laughs> nice. That face massage. That's a, that's a thing. Oh yeah. I do like the whole thing. It's like skincare and just like Zen for a minute. That's what I need. That's what makes me feel like my best self to start the day. When it comes to the skincare deal, can anybody, like, if I, you know, if I just started doing skincare tomorrow, right, and I was yeah. consistent for six months, would you visually see just like a different level of glow on my face? Not in 24 hours, but probably like real quick. I think a lot of people don't realize because they're having so much fun early on in their life, all the fun things that they do let just take a toll on your skin and you don't get all kinds of different skins that show up for you. You get like one. I was like a horrible tanner when I was younger. So I saw some things I'm trying to correct that are never going to go away, but definitely just, you know, things like sunscreen and just a little bit of oil and moisturizer just goes such a long way with just making sure you feel like you look how young you feel for as long as possible. So that's a whole different tangent, but I could talk about skincare all day long because it has done so much for me. I'm getting ready to have a big birthday and it's like, no one knows how old I am. And there's, there's something very good about that that makes skincare a positive thing. This is the second time we've talked about skincare. I just recently had Matt Santoro on the podcast. He's a big YouTuber. I love Matt. He was my second episode on the podcast. Oh, no way. Fantastic. Yeah. And we asked this question, like, you know, what would you tell yourself if you could go back to, you know, fresh out of college? He said one thing that was like, you know, novel and, and, and genius. And then the second thing was, I would put lotion on. I take care of my skin. (laughs) I was like, bro, what? (laughs) But he knows the struggle when you are in the YouTube 
sphere. You know, it's not, it's not a vanity issue. It's that, you know, um, like even live stream video people don't have to think about it as much as a YouTuber does, because when you're a traditional YouTuber, you not only have to get the settings on the camera, right? Make sure you sound on point, make sure you didn't say anything stupid. But then you have to sit down in a focused environment on your computer and watch it all back. And you see every little flaw, whether it's on your face or in your background or on your shirt or whatever. And you just learn so many lessons over time. Like Matt, it doesn't matter, female, male, care about skin, not care about skin, touched lotion before, hasn't, doesn't care, spends all the day in the sun, scared of the sun. doesn't matter when you are watching yourself back in full HD. You have no choice but to address like, well, that's what I look like. So like that's, it's, it's a real thing. Yeah. The 4k outlook into your face. Yeah. 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 Getting a, getting a 4k. I don't even do 4k. I can't handle that much information about myself. I don't want it. <laughs> I'm good with the HD. And it's interesting that you've built this very unique brand, you know, out of all the bloggers and the YouTubers and the blogosphere and all these humans that are out here building their brand, you've really capitalized on this focus on starting your day off right and, and having the best morning possible and doing research on how you can optimize your mornings. You know, for me, I, I've always heard that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. What are your thoughts on that? Do you know, it's so funny. Like if you would have asked me this, like four months ago, I probably would have said it isn't for me. I, I don't disagree with it. I just think it's like very hard, just like anything for it to be a blanket statement. So I've always been a very big believer in um, intermittent fasting. So, um, and I'm, I'm sensational about waiting to eat in the morning. So stopping myself at night is usually the challenge and then going 16 hours. I did that for a couple of years and it really was great after like a stint of like some weight loss and just keeping it off and maintaining the weight, just always doing intermittent fasting. If, if I didn't follow any other rules, just the time restrictedness of it was great. But right now my husband are, and I are doing, we got like refreshed on some oldies, but goodies by Tim Ferriss. And I was just reading the four hour body. And I was like, Oh man, this slope carb thing might help me with my quarantine 15. So <laughs> I'm like, okay, maybe we'll try that. So we've been doing that lately. So foreign to me because you need to have protein within the first half hour of being awake. The first half hour of being awake, I do skincare and lemon water and that's it. I barely even get to the coffee. So now I'm doing lemon water with a hard boiled egg. It's just like really kind of, it's different we just ate breakfast and it's like 11 o'clock right now. So I'm not considering it my breakfast. I'm just considering it sort of like setting the tone for my body for the day. But I look at food so differently now, even when I'm like eating like a jerk, I still think like I'm supposed to be fueling up and this mm -hmm. is what I'm doing. So maybe I'm indulging, but food to me is like all about, it's just fuel. So I don't know if breakfast is the most important meal of the day. I just think all of them are important. Depends on what you're doing and what your goals are. And, um, and it just, yeah, what your goals are, what are you trying to achieve and, and how are you being more conscious about it? Yeah. I feel like there's two very important areas that people use when they grow up, right? The first one, is that they can't drink as much alcohol the next day without having a hangover. <laughs> it's yeah. a big realization in your life where you're like, damn, this thing don't work no more. <laughs> <laughs> where did that organ go? It was working at one point. Yeah. And then the second thing is, wow, what I eat actually sincerely affects how I feel. A million percent. I mean, we're only on week two 
of something I've never done slow carb before, but week two. And it's like, wow, like no fruit and no white carbohydrates. Day two, I was real annoyed. I was very low energy. I was, I was not, I was not my best life, but now we're in week two and we had a cheat day and it was, it's all good vibes. And it's like, I really feel different. My eyes are open a little bit wider than they were before. I don't feel the need to go lounge on the couch and scroll or watch Netflix. Um, and you can just tell when you're in that season, it's because your body's not up for anything else. And I, right now it's like, we're feeling really, we're feeling really uh, high energy right now. So have you ever tried the uh, like long-term fasting, say straight fasting for a day, two days, even a week? We have done, uh, we did a 48 hour fast a couple years ago. Um, and the thing is like, it actually was the most, I, I don't know that you really feel the effects positively of a 48 hour fast in that 48 hours, like straight up, you're just hungry. But <laughs> if, if at the end of the 48 hours, you do the very right thing by going on sort of like a specific, uh, I, I hate using the word diet, but that's just like the only word to use for it. I'm not talking about a fad diet. I'm just saying, you know, okay, well we did this to clean out the system and now we're going to spend the next couple of weeks only working in certain food groups. I think if you do that, it's way more worth it. I think we were just proud of ourselves for kind of like getting all the alcohol out of our system, all the carbs out. And, and after 48 hours, you know, we ate well for about a week, but it's just sort of like, to me, I think fasting is a little pointless if you're not going to follow it up again with a really good fueling protocol. So we did 48 hours once. Um, I think the trick to that is of course, like starting at the end of a really big dinner. And then the next day we had to get on a plane. So all we had to do was like not eat all day while flying and traveling, which is very hard because you're always walking by like bags of peanuts and things like this. But, um, that, yeah, it's that middle day when you can't eat at all that one day, full day that that makes it the hardest, but we were so proud of ourselves. We've done 24 hours a couple of times since then. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's, it's not necessarily something we're getting into the rotation on a serious level. I feel you. I mean, when you look at cultures and that they do this, you know, historically for yeah. the past centuries, you're like, wow, they clearly must be onto something. Right. I feel like if we're constantly loading up on three meals a day, eventually you get a buildup. Like I had a big stomach issue called SIBO. It's like IBS on steroids. Mm. Um, and it's basically just like anybody can conjure up SIBO, but like, if you don't give your body a rest, you could be the healthiest person working out, running, but sometimes you just got to let things fuel out. And like, right. it's interesting to think if you've never fasted before, you just don't believe that you're going to be okay. But then if yeah. you just focus on not eating, you're Gucci, you know, it's, it's yeah. interesting. I, and you know what, if anybody's like, what's the actionable here? I don't even think it's like to do a 24 to 48 hour fast. I really think trying to challenge yourself 30 minutes, one hour, just like going deeper into a normal day without eating anything that has calories or any sort of, I would have coffee or lemon water, but I don't think that that does too much to break a fast, but just trying out like operating. If you're used to eating first thing in the morning, just like try it out for like an hour you don't eat or two hours you don't eat consciously not doing it without you like thinking about food the whole time. I think it's different if you just forget to eat, but you get much better at forgetting to eat if it's like an everyday thing. I think if people learned how to just like not eat for a couple hours in the morning, they would notice a lot about their own energy level and their focus. I know for a fact after I eat, my focus is all over the place. 
it just is like, I'm like, I got different things going on in my body. That's why I do the most important thing to start the day, get it over with. So I'm not like piddling around procrastinating on something. And then I eat and I get distracted. That's the best part about intermittent morning fasting for me is just that I know that my brain is in a different place. Not trying to process food. Do you do coffee in the morning? hundred percent. I, it's not the first thing I have because water to me, I'm really bad at drinking water. So my one solid rule that I've had for like 10 years is that I start the day with cold 16 ounce, half a lemon of water. Uh, and so that's the first thing I do not let myself co- have coffee until I've ha- at least hydrated. So I right. drink all of that lemon water and then I move on to some coffee. Nice. Have you, have you read Anthony Williams books? It's, he's like the, he's kind of the dude behind the celery juice movement. Ooh. Okay. I, then I've heard of him, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I've done celery juice for a sizable amount of time. I would, I would rock his, his morning routine similar. It's lemon juice in the morning, uh-huh. um, followed by 30 minutes later, celery juice, and then followed by like all these different smoothies that have these detox yeah. things. And I got to say like half of it, I believe in half of it, I think is like a total Fugazi of Fugazi, right? I believe the lemon water for sure, like hundred yeah. percent, like that definitely is good for you. Like got to believe it, but I don't know about the celery juice, man. I just, I know. I, I feel like it's like 50, 50, whenever I like all I'll hear some people are like, Oh my God, celery juice. And I'm like, really? <laughs> and they're like, yeah. And then I'll talk to someone else and they're like, Oh my God, it's awful. Like it's, it's just awful. I think I'm, I'm even at the point where it's like, even if lemon water were technically breaking my fast, I would still not stop drinking it because there's something so nourishing about that. Um, celery is straight up just like negative calorie drinking. I think like, I I'm really not sure, but I've had some celery juice in, in the day, celery water, celery <laughs> juice in the day. And, and, um, I, I can deal with it. Like, I feel like that's another thing is when you do stuff like this, your palate changes so much that there are things like celery juice that if you were eating nothing but Krispy Kreme donuts every day and you tried to have a celery juice, that thing is going to taste terrible. Like your body's just not conditioned to enjoy what a vegetable would feel or taste like. Um, but I think I, I've, I've, I've found myself enjoying a celery juice. I just don't know if like I get, my thing is I hate taking time to make smoothies and juice and things. If I can't walk down the street and buy it fresh, which I actually can buy juice fresh, just a couple doors down. But unless I'm doing that every day, I'm not, it's not going to be part of my routine. Got it. And too many over- steps. Over this, over this course of your career and building it, building this brand focused on mastering your morning, all of your YouTube videos are so amazing. I mean, you just give these really cool tips on just functioning better as a human and you know, you're witty, you're fun, you're, you're yourself. You're really good at being yourself. I hope someone's told you that before, which is a skill (laughs) in today's world, right? And actually, I don't think I've ever heard that before. Thank you. you I do take that as a big compliment. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, it's hard it's hard. These days. being somebody else is, is tough. I mean, we, we happen to do it all the time. You know, we're always trying we to- We all try to do that all the time and that's the way harder route. And if somebody can just crush it at staying in their lane consistently at mm-hmm. scale, you become the next level. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think it, I think it involves a lot of patience. It's a lot of patience because we're all, we're all attending these parties, right? So it's like YouTube is a party. Facebook is a party, Instagram is a party, TikTok, they're all different parties. And the podcast is a party. The podcast is a special kind of party because it's kind of like exclusive, but people are still doing it all over the place. It's really cool to be able to go to the party 
and make a name for yourself so that people are like, I really just want to hang out with you at this party. That's the thing I think people lose sight of because we think too much in the vein of, I have to make the party happy, not the people at the party. And the people at the party are the only reason why we exist. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's consistency and patience over a long period of time and just knowing what's right for you, even if things aren't always going fabulously. I mean, to be honest, I was on YouTube for a really long time before the rest of the world thought that I was considered successful at it. I was on YouTube for probably eight years before all of a sudden I was hitting milestone numbers that mattered to everybody. And it was like, wow, congratulations. Oh, you're amazing at this. I'm like, great. Everybody thought this was not socially acceptable up until this point. Thanks for hanging with me. And uh, you just kind of have to be able to ride those waves. It takes a lot of self-awareness. It takes a lot of patience and it takes a lot more patience. <laughs> yeah. But it's like that foundation, you know, building a culture and teaching people that look, it's all about the foundation. I always mention it's about building your kapok tree. And if you don't know what a kapok tree, a kapok tree is the largest tree in the Amazon rainforest. It's a, it's a group Ooh. of trees and it's just a fantastic tree. I mean, this thing is home to all sorts of animals and creatures yeah. around the world. So I like to think about building your brand or building your businesses, like growing that tree, right? You know, like if you're consistent for a year or two, you can start attracting, say, sea level animals or, or humans, right? Yeah. And then if you're consistent for four years, all of a sudden you can possibly DM Amy Landino and maybe get a response because you know what? B players only play with B players. It's that simple. You know, you got to level up. You got to continuously you make sure you're using your time efficiently and correctly. And if you're consistent for five to 10 years, like you have been on YouTube, you can access almost anybody in the world because you've earned the stripes, you've put in the time, but you don't let vanity metrics, views, downloads, slow you down. You focus on that, you know, key milestone. Like what was it for you that you felt like when you're in those early ages of YouTube, you're putting out all this content, you're not selling anything, you're not building, you're not capitalizing on your brand. What does, what, what keeps you going during that time? Is it a vision? It's the process. I think um, I, I'm not, I like to keep the big picture in mind. I do because I think that's what puts things in perspective. And I think that is what allows you to be patient. Um, you have to see some kind of a big picture, but at the beginning, it was so much easier because it was falling in love with a creative outlet that kept everything in line. So I, I can't even begin to tell, like now I, I'm measuring metrics and I'm looking at 24 hour stats and then 30 day stats. And I'm looking at all these things. I never did that at the beginning because to me, it was about creating something that made me really happy. Like that's early, early, early stages. Then this current YouTube channel, when I started that, it was because I was going into business for myself and I realized I need a space where I can talk about what I'm good at so that if people find it, they could hire me, they could recommend me to somebody that needs my help. And so to, to that point, it wasn't about how many views or subscribers I had. It was, am I making money or not? Am I bringing in clients or not? And as long as I'm making the project and I'm loving making the project and I love talking about the project and I could talk about it for days and days and days and days and days and I make a video that helps somebody and that somebody could hire me to work and I have work, that's all I needed to measure for success. So it was never about like, what's the algorithm doing? And, and it's so different now. It was so much more simple then. And, it, and regardless of it, it's it's still, you should still really have the same intention. You should still love the journey and the process of it. 
because the vanity metrics are the easy things to measure and they're not always going to make you happy. And also these days they're so gameable, they're purchasable, and it doesn't even like really measure what your impact is. It really doesn't. I mean, I could have a video completely tank from an algorithm perspective, meaning poor, awful. And all I got to do is look at the comments because I don't ever do something that's just for me. I do something that's for me and for a very particular individual that is my audience. And when I speak to her and I do that thing for her, even if it's a little specialized or a little niche, it comes through in the comments that I did my job. Every time I see the words, oh my gosh, how did you know I needed that right now? Or, oh, I feel like she was speaking directly to me. That's how I know I did my job. That's the only way. You know, that's, that's how you measure success if you're me. Measuring impact, looking at the comments, that makes so much more sense. Because yes, I mean, don't it's, be it, afraid of the comments. Because <laughs> you can, even if you're looking into the sponsor world, right? It's like if you can get it millions of views, right? But you only sell X amount of stuff, you become one of these, you know, not not this, hating, not hating, but you know, a, a large maybe model influencer that on the outside has all the clout in the world, but she really doesn't have any true influence, you know. Brands are learning a very hard lesson about that right now, and I think that's good because that world was only going to last for so long. Um, I've even tried my hand in it lately. Um, Something we considered in our agency that I co-founded with my husband, um, different company than the Amy TV land. Uh, We dabbled in the idea of let's represent a couple of small brands. Let's do a couple of Instagram campaigns and let's work with influencers because I know the influencer side. And so I kind of know what to look for. But it's wild. I mean, we had we had some people who make really solid stuff. They work very hard. They take great photos. They make great videos. They represent the product well. But they would come back with abs- like goose egg engagement. Goose egg. Like, it was unreal because you look at that and you're like, you're working so hard. Why did you buy those followers? Like, why? Because in all actuality, if you would have just stuck it out, I've now, I'm now contracted to pay you, which I'm going to, because I represent my brand. Well, I'm going to pay you, but now I'm never going to work with you again, because I know that you can go make this couple bucks and that's okay. And you're going to keep making a couple bucks from brands that haven't been able to measure success with you. But now that they can, you don't get people that stick with you. My brands keep coming back and working with me because I never paid for engagement. I never, well, I mean, I think that it's different if you run ads and it's to a target, targeted audience, but when you have that core community that is like, just believes in your purpose and that your recommendations are true to something that would matter to them. And if it's a fit, it's a fit. That's conversion that works. Brands are learning a hard lesson about that right now because you can't keep making these decisions based on followers and likes. It's all gamifiable. And so I think anybody that's listening, that's an influencer, um, it's so tempting sometimes to go like, oh, this one deserved a lot more love than that. Like maybe we need to give it a little boost or I, I really recommend that you, instead of trying to figure out how to buy your way to the top, figure out how you're not striking a chord with the audience and get better because that's what's going to convert everything for you. Not just convert sales for some brand that's going to pay you for a campaign, but everything. Just being able to post a, a moment and be able to get good feedback on that and not fall on deaf ears because it wasn't this extravagant shoot. Like 
all of it is very fulfilling as a creator. You can't be completely reliant on what the response is, but if the response isn't what you wanted it to be, it's not because of the algorithm there's something going on with you and you haven't found your way of connecting with them yet. It's a really, really interesting space. I went on like four different tangents there, but hopefully that came. But it seems like the one common denominator you focus on is when you make these videos, you're talking to one person, you're having that intimate, deep conversation. And that seems to be something that really transitions to having that impact. And it does. And I think people have a hard time with that because nobody wants to say that, um, I'm making a coffee mug for the one perfect customer. That's not scalable. That's not the sexy thing. But we skip to wanting to scale so bad that we forget how to have an impact on just an individual. And the individual is the one that's driving the word of mouth and the retweet and the comment and the share and the everything. So yes, it's always come down to the one person for me. I have one person. Her name is Charlotte. I have lots of people who watch Shout out, side. Charlotte. Hey, Charlotte. What up, girl? Like, I know what her life is like. I know what her, her significant other is like. I know what her commute is like. I know all of this stuff about her. And it makes it so much more sweet. Again, when I see Charlotte's pop up in the comments and go, like, that was for me. But even more, if I, if I see people who are on, um, who are on the comments and are not Charlotte, and they still enjoy it, like that's great. But it wouldn't work if I was trying to make it for this guy of that age and this girl of that age and older and younger and kids and everything. Um, it's it's definitely important to keep your one person in mind keeping your one person. Man, that's so interesting. In a world where everyone's trying to be someone else, your message is completely opposite. It's become yourself, you know? Mm -hmm. Don't fake it till you make it. Be it till you become it. Mm -hmm. That's a good way of putting it. So when you look at, you know, just the way you look at Amy TV and you look at building this brand, first of all, when you're making a YouTube, do you feel like when you make a channel, do you need to only put out specific content to that channel? Or could you have like four different web series say, I'm do I, I put out cooking videos in this playlist. I put out inspirational videos in this playlist and I put out, you know, co like grooming my cat videos on this playlist. <laughs> Can you crush a channel by putting out completely separate content or does it have to be super like in the same lane you think? The answer is yes and no, because uh, back in the day, yeah, like 2010, you know, 2011 YouTube, it was like, if you crushed the video, you could do anything you wanted. I actually still believe that's true, that you can be a very eclectic brand. I don't think anybody needs to be like, well, I can't share the music side of myself because I'm only the coaching side of myself. I don't think that that exists. You have to be so individual, so niche. That's important. But with, when you do consider like, okay, I want this YouTube channel to crush, like I want it to take off, you have to be able to teach it something as well. So you're not just talking to an audience, you're te you are teaching essentially a computer what's going on. And where YouTube is very much a, a, a search engine, you need it to be able to understand where to put you. And it, just like you, if you were to go to Instagram, this is a good example. Instagram, if you were to watch um, on the trending tab, you see like a hyperlapse baking video. And from start to finish, you see this cake come to life in a minute. You would click to that profile and you would expect to see what? A cake cooking in a you minute. You would see all kinds more baking, right? Hyperlapse baking, right? So it's a similar idea. Instagram and YouTube are very, very... Um, 
they're, they're similar in that way that they're just, they're just trying to understand how to get you in front of the right people. So they're like, just tell me what you do. And so that was sort of a moment where you start to see people hockey stick is when their vertical is really figured out and the audience receives it well. And therefore the platform says, we're going to put you in front of even more people like this. So that's one thing. However, that's, um, that's just the start. Once you master a series, YouTube wants you to master a second series. They want you to master a, a second and third idea because they don't want the audience to get bored. But if you're never really good at the first thing, how are you ever going to get better at the second or the third thing? You, you need to not be mediocre at any of these. So the hard part is when someone says, I'm going to have a channel that's baking and, and kitty cats and podcast tips. And the, the audience is going to reflect what the algorithm is doing as well. They're just gonna be like, I don't understand. Like, I, I just don't, I, you gotta bring, you gotta bring this together for me. And I don't understand what, what, what's, what, what am I signing up for? When they subscribe, they've got to get committed to you. You've got to prove that you bring it so that they'll be game for what that second series looks like. We're seeing this a lot. I think the beauty space, people who have been really, really solid in the beauty space, hair and makeup, beautiful, 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 but they get bored, right? And they're like, okay, it's beauty. Got it they might start to go into like an interior design space. Like, okay, sometimes I'm gonna talk about my face, but other times I'm gonna talk about how I'm making my house pretty. And it works, cause it, it, it comes together. It's the vision that people in the audience wanna see. But now you're talking about, I mastered this series and now I'm gonna introduce a new idea to you. The bottom line is you've gotta test it. You should never start a series without having at least two to three ideas in mind. That's why when I started my Wine Wednesday series, which we haven't done a lot lately because I haven't done it since I, I moved, um, it was like, we're not going to start this series unless we have a couple of ideas in the bank, maybe not recorded yet, because you don't want to start like, hey guys, episode one of this, blah, blah, blah. So glad you liked this other thing. Now we're starting this new idea. If you can't follow it up and keep having ideas and it does well, that's a really, really crap thing for the channel. The audience gets disappointed. The commitment level is different. So I guess like, I could talk about this for days. It's it's important. I love I love when you're ranting. Your ranting <laughs> is on point. Yeah, I, I, it's like you you are have all the right in the world to be eclectic and different. Find your ways to test it because YouTube channels now are getting so professional that the bar is very high. So I think that the first step would be like, what is the number one thing you've got video ideas for days? Like just start with that. Just get your audience on board with that. Use your other places. I use Instagram a lot to test ideas. I use Twitter a lot to test ideas and I'll just put stuff out there. Like, what would you guys think of this? What would you guys think of this? Like, oh, by the way, this is what I'm doing today. Something you would never guess of me because you would never see this on my channel. Watch what the reception is with your audience to be like, why are you not doing a video on that? That's when you need to kind of chomp down on, oh, we've got a second series idea developing here. Where can we go with that? Interesting. So constantly testing, not getting stagnant. And that's another thing that Santoro was talking about. He was like, look, I've been doing these same videos, this, the 10 minute videos every single day for like a decade. And I just okay. got burned out. I feel like I'm not passionate about it. And he's going through an identity crisis. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting is you're one of the few, you're one of the 0.0001% of, of influences, influences that, that did it, that got to that real point, that built that brand, that has that thick comment list, that has that real following. And the way you're telling this story is what everybody needs to hear, right? It's taking the long route. It's not taking, it, it truly is. 
this takes time. You can't shortcut the, the reality that, look, building a brand is building humans. And if you aren't capable and if you aren't ready to build humans, then you can't you stay in your lane. Like understand, earn it, earn that right to be able to know your customer. I love that you have that one customer. That's so yeah. unique. When did you first meet her? I mean, I, it was, it was um, at the very beginning. I mean, like everybody knows this. When you first start business for yourself, you're just like, oh man, I don't want to go back to my job. I really want this to work. So like whoever wants to write a check, I'm taking them. Like I'm good. Um, so at the beginning, you're just doing whatever. But then as you start to take clients on, you learn real quick who you want to work with. You learn really well who you do your best work with. So it really kind of started from there. Charlotte, Charlotte developed over a, the first couple of years of Savvy Sexy Social, which was the original name of the channel of like, oh, this person is the one advocating for like social and business in their company. They're not necessarily an entrepreneur, but entrepreneurs are tuning in as well. I'm talking to somebody that's just like, I'm so amped about this and I really, really want others to get it. At the time, social media marketing, which was the original purpose of the channel and what I was doing for a living, at the time it was a really testy thing, specifically in the Midwest. East Coast and West Coast was already getting it at 2009, 2010. But to try to convey to local businesses, like you're going to have to talk to your customers on the computer. Like that's a thing you're gonna do. Um, that was a that was a process to teach, and so Charlotte kind of came out of that. And on that note, I'll say this because when you have developed an audience who truly appreciates you, to the point where my channel went from social media tips to just video tips, because here I am, video girl talking about social media, videos starting to become more popular, Facebook's get, getting a, vi a video function, Twitter gets a video function, there's, you know, live streaming came up. Now people are just asking, like, give us your video tips. Like, how are you doing this? This is amazing. And then I changed everything in 2018. I like completely bailed on the B2B channel. I said, there's a reason why people are watching my content, have no intention of making a video or starting a business ever in their life, but they still like talking to me. Those, those Charlottes, they need additional help there. Now it's come down to what do you spend your time on? So I think the other, I guess, lesson here is, um, when the whole world who is like, Put you lifted you up and oh you did su done such great things amazing look at this channel that you're such an expert on this and you decide to pivot and the the people in the industry look at you and go what are you doing this is crazy why are you doing this i mean in 2018 i pivoted very hard i got married in 2017 i changed my last name so my last name changed the name of the channel changed and all of the content went in a different direction and the industry thought i was absolutely crazy and i was like you guys my audience gets it they get it. They're ready for the next level. So we're changing. That's it. I don't care if you're on board or not. You don't, you don't, you don't affect any of this. There Zero. it is. Yeah. And that is that, that is influence. Not like being able to pitch some like product that is influence when the person just like I loved Beyonce and Destiny's Child when she started to become a woman and started talking about some real things. We grew up together. That is influence. And while you're saying these things, it just gets the creative juices flowing. I mean, just in my head, I'm thinking everything you're doing and I'm applying it to every aspect of my life, which is another reason why I always recommend people podcast and put out content and meet people and, and put yourself out there. You just never know who's going to be on the other edge of that. That becomes number one, your new best friend, your new business buddy, your new partner in crime, 
or just a homie. Like in general, you need to keep reaching out because you're just, your thoughts are only your thoughts. If you're not ingesting new content, if you're not ingesting new information, you're just, you know, making derivatives of what you already know. And, and that stuff gets boring really quickly. And I feel like that evolution of humans is so interesting. It's like, if you look at Amy two years ago, you're like almost a different person than you are today. And it, I look at myself three years ago and I'm like, not embarrassed. Cause like, you know, he's a good Jones, you know, a great guy, you know, solid human, but you know, just not as carved out, not as in line. And it's this evolution that brands and people expect from us, expect from people when we're, when we're growing. And I feel like you really capture that in the way you just described that. Thanks. Thank it's you. interesting. Hmm. And you got this nice setup right now. So where, where do you film in? Honestly, I, I wish I would have cleaned up more. Um, <laughs> uh, this is my loft. Actually, I sit right by the stairs of the loft, which is why like my husband's been like, oh crap, I got work to do too. So we, sp we are sharing a home office space and uh, we are so fortunate. We were in a two bedroom apartment for a long time and we spontaneously like found this house and we bought this house and we moved in right before the pandemic. And I keep saying like, wow, I'm so happy we are here because I think we would have killed each other in a two-bedroom apartment. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. But no, yeah. The lofts are amazing. We used to yeah. have the loft growing up as a child and that was like the escape right above the garage and it was yeah. just the homey den and it was, everybody needs a loft. A hundred percent. Yeah, it's not enough to have a first and second floor, but I do feel very adult. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in working in the loft. Here you are. So while we're on the topic, right? you're you've wrote this amazing book you've took things to the next level your team first of all i've i was able to work our team worked with your team in scheduling this podcast and they're just very professional um very creative people so i think you did a really good job just curating a group of humans that Thank that you. sees your vision they're great and uh one little promotion and, and fun thing we decided to do is because your book is such a success because i believe so much in what you're doing we actually have 10 copies of the new book, Good Morning, Good Life. How how you doing? And oh, I love uh, it. what we're gonna do? For I think that should have been the subtitle, by the way. How you doing? <laughs> how, how you doing? <laughs> how you doing? <laughs> there it is. Maybe that's number two. There you go. <laughs> so for what we're gonna do is for everybody listening right now, for the first ten people that DM me on Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is, we're gonna send you one of these one of these copies as well as a damn good day bracelet. I so love you're gonna, that. You're gonna that get is a such a good combo. You're gonna get a little bit of a package going on here. And, and, it's, Sweet. and it's cool too. I mean, promoting good humans and good practice. I mean, I'm all about it's a damn good day to have a damn good day. You're all about good morning, good life. This idea of trying to become happy because it's not easy. Like being human is challenging, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of things every day that can freak you out, cause you anxiety. And guess what? It only gets harder technically as you grow, as things start mm -hmm. to fail. And your brain has to become calloused in this idea of seeing the bright side of things. Because if not, when you do hit that next inevitable shitty ass challenge, the question is, is are you ready to take it on and keep going? Or are you just going to get demolished by it? You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Absolutely. I, I completely agree. And I think that's why I think sometimes, um, depending on the type of content you put out there and people just want to do you a justice and explain you, I have a hard time when people, and you never said this, by the way, when people say, um, oh, she's like a life coach. And I'm like, no, man, I'm, I'm still learning about life. <laughs> like to me, that's, that's so like, I can, I can be a productivity coach. I'm the best productivity coach, but from a life, I mean, we are all just trying to figure this out. And the more you figure out what actual happiness looks like, and instead of just trying to find happy, but actually realize that it's in you and there's nowhere else you need to look and finally listening to that, that's really special. And I think that's all I'm trying to help people with because we're all just going to figure out life on our own. If I can give any direction on what's worked for me about happiness or just optimizing how I feel like I am the most synced up with myself, then that's what I want to do. I want to share that. There it is. Stay in sync. That's what we got to do. Yeah. Now, because we're on the topic, let's, let's just go a little deeper on this, this morning routine. I mean, it, it's something that you're, you're so blueprinted on. What else can we talk about that you have found in all your studies of mastering your morning routine that you have just exponentially increased your focus, improved your productivity, and just led to a healthier lifestyle? Yeah. I mean, to me, I think first you kind of have to start with the fact that like you can't sneeze without seeing somebody's morning routine or somebody talking about it, right? Like it's just become this um, stereotyped content that's all over the place. The problem with that is sort of like what I was just talking about when you're seeking happiness externally instead of internally. When you do that and you're like, oh, I, I'll just do what Amy does when she wakes up every morning and I will just be perfect. I'll be great because that's a pedestal that I'm being put on by you because things are not perfect and great all the time. So that's, that's frustrating for me. The reason I wanted to write the book was not because um, you must meditate for 20 minutes every morning in order to find yourself. I think that everybody is different and everyone needs a, a little bit of a balance of what that looks like. Some people are going to get to have an hour and a half for their morning routine. Other people are going to have maybe 15 minutes before the kid's screaming in the next room and realizes they're missing out on whatever party you're having. So that is really important to keep in mind. And so from what I have researched and found that works for me and has worked for a lot of people that I've worked with is just having just three basic areas that have been filled for you before you start having to have external accountability. So the goal, in my opinion, is that everything you do in these three buckets is really just for you. You allow yourself to be selfish for 15 minutes to 60 to whatever you want every day before you're checking social, checking email, responding to requests, reporting to work, having a boss bark orders at you, whatever it is. So those three areas are movement, mindfulness, and mastery. So we talked about movement a little bit ago, right? Like just the importance of reminding your body that it's time to mobilize. And so doing something that works well for you. If you're someone who likes to go to a class first thing in the morning or do your own sort of fitness routine, take a walk, or you don't like to do a workout first thing in the morning like me and you just do some stretching and you just kind of wake your body up naturally, great. Um, mindfulness doesn't have to be meditation. Mindfulness is a lot of things. The practice that I prefer is called morning pages. It's essentially journaling. It was um, made popular by Julia Cameron in the book, The Artist's Way. And the concept is that if you would like to be a little bit more creative today, you've got to get a lot of junk out of your mind. 
we wake up with the grudges from the day before, bad dreams, um, uh, sadness for whatever you have to do that day, like something that's sitting on your mind, you've got to get off and just stream of consciousness writing for three pages, even if you don't know what to write, but just clearing your mind of all the junk so that you can move on to something a little bit more creative or in your case, maybe just purposeful, whatever, whatever your situation is. That's a mindfulness practice I like to do. So just finding something where you're not worried about what the rest of the world is saying yet. You're only worried about what you're saying and how you're feeling and what that looks like for you. That's really important. And then mastery to me, I think is big because so many of us no matter who we are or how much time we have or how much independence we have or how much freedom we have, we're always saying, oh, I wish I had time for that, right? It's always, I wish I had time. You do have time. You have to prioritize something. So if you work for someone else, you wish for you worked for yourself. When are you going to make that happen? When are you going to have your mastery of the day to move you inch you closer to that? If you wish you knew a foreign language and you never make time for it, can that be your mastery moment? So what is the mastery moment you can have to start the day so that you know, not only do I know how I feel and I've centered myself in whatever way makes sense for me, I move my body a little bit, but I got this much closer to my goal before I had to respond to the rest of the world's needs from me. That, that to me is a good morning. And those, so I think that just having those three buckets filled for yourself, and I talk a lot more about it in the book, lots of examples in the book. There's a master list in the book. Um, that's a good morning. That is a good morning. Yeah, the good morning. The I need a good morning bobblehead to come out of here of, of, of Shailene <laughs> or, or, or whoever their target person is. And just every time you click it, she's just like, girl, you got this. Yeah. <laughs> I love that idea. I'm gonna get a, I'll have to get a Charlotte bobblehead. That's what I'll have to look for. That would be amazing. Uh-huh. <laughs> That'd be a great like way to just get your followers and get your humans just to constantly just be posting right it's like you click it that's a wow i love it that's That's because that's because i've centered my brain right i've cleared it out a bit and i'm only focused on this podcast and that's another reason why i love podcasting it's a reason i love scuba diving i love extreme things because when you're doing something extreme and this isn't extreme right but this is more like humans just being kind to each other yeah like you gotta focus scuba diving you have to focus like being meditating is tough all this information in and out but if i can just center down focus on one thing really hard you become so efficient and your time blocking technique is next level getting to that point of focus mastering yourself to become productive not waiting when is the right time. Everybody has enough time in the day. The question is, are you fueling your body to be able to perform from the hours of 5 to 11 p.m.? If you're so tired after work, what can you do today to master your morning, get a better routine going, eat healthier, so that from the hours of 5 to 11, when you have to work on that dream, that you're able to show up. If you're too tired, something has to change. So I I just, I think that what we're talking about here is so relatable to everybody on this podcast. Now, if you could go back in time, I know we're coming up on the hour. If you could go back in time and you could have talked to, you know, old school Amy, maybe like post-college Amy, you know, she's, she's, she's living her life. She's doing her thing. And you could have said, listen, girl, if I could have told you one, two or three things that could have saved you time, money, headache, heartache. And just for the sake of this question, it can't be, I wouldn't have told any, told myself anything because it made me who I am today, which is a fantastic answer. (laughs) What would be some skills or, or, or things you wish you implemented at an earlier age that could have led to a better, more 
performed I'm, life. I'm I'm very passionate about. I think we we as a culture have gotten better, but not great at this. Um, I'm very passionate about the fact that young people are not educated about financials early enough. They're just not. And I wish if I could go back, like it would be pre-college. <laughs> I would go back and I would say, you do not have to go to college because I didn't finish. And I still ended up with student loan debt because that was just the nature of the world at the time. I didn't finish because I had the job that was the job. And I, all my friends who were graduating were not getting hired anywhere because of the economy in 2007, 2008, everything was really starting to look really dismal. And I had a great job. And so I had to quit school in order to keep that job. But you, I still ended up in a really terrible financial situation. And it was all because I went to college because I thought I had to, because I thought it was my only option, because nobody told me I had any other options. So I think we're very, 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 very much better off these days for young people to consider way more options. It's not just college and the military anymore. But it is even more important to realize how much being careful with your money and not worrying about having all the bling early in life. It's just not important. It's not going to get you anywhere. The experiences are so much more important. Impressing people is not important because no matter what, you're just young. People are just going to look at you like you're young no matter what. You can be as impressive as you think you are, but it's not going to matter. I would go back and I would say like, you need to learn some things about money because nobody here is teaching you. No one in school taught you. They're really not, didn't, nothing in college even. The college that I did attend, it was just like, you've got to learn this book crap. And none of that has paid off for me. And I'm actually so grateful I didn't finish because I ended up in a completely different line of work. And they didn't even teach what I know when I was in college. So it, it's just really interesting. I think the biggest lesson there is that and I actually did a commencement speech on YouTube last week. And what I said was that if you are told by the people who love you not to do something and you know in your gut that it's a bad thing, you're not going to do it. You Don't do it. Like, that's a bad idea. Don't do that bad thing that you know in your gut is a bad thing. But if the people you love around you who do want to see you succeed are telling you not to do something that in your gut you're saying, really? Because this feels so right to me and I have good intentions and it's above board and it's awesome. And I think if I put in the work and I, and I really focus on it and I keep my head down and I do my best that it could be my legacy, don't listen to your friends and family. They're not going to get it. The bandwagon is not going to come for a long time. You can wait. You've got a lot of work to do until then. You don't need to be flashy. You don't need to brag. You don't, don't need to tell everyone everything. Just do the work. And I, I just wish there was more of that going around when I was younger because I think I would have been in a better financial situation earlier and um, I wouldn't have gone and taken a bunch of pointless classes and wasted my time in school. It's the, the biggest thing. I'm not away. saying school's not for everyone. Right, I'm right. saying it, it wasn't for me. Right. I mean, the biggest thing that I, I, I love that you said is just a lot of people just don't know there's other options. You know, there's just not other potential outlets. Like if, if I was in high school and I was like, there's A, B, C, and D, all of these can work, right? Most people are doing A, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But if you could look at B, C, and D, you don't have this feeling of being behind 
Because it's almost like anybody can go out and become whoever they want to be. But they always feel like there's this blockade that they kind of create because there's, you know, things in the way that just make it so someone like me can't succeed, you know? I live in a trailer. I, I don't have, you know, like my internet goes out every five seconds. Right. I can't make it. Like, you know, yeah. genetics. I'm genetically inclined to fail. It's, it, it, what sucks is like, yeah, circumstances get the best of us all the time. What's worse is somebody who was told this is what you have to do. And they do it. And they graduate. And they go to college and they got the thing and they still can't get a job because they thought all they needed was this little slip of paper. It's harder than that. Life is harder than that. And the people who told you that this is the one thing you have to do and you'll be fine, they have no idea what you're going to go through because it's a different time. And you're going to have to do more than just walk away, throw your cap up in the air and have a piece of paper. It's more than that. You've got to stand out. So in a weird way, learning how to stand out is what I mastered. <laughs> when I'm going to school for it. <laughs> I, I love it. Amy, I mean, you're a wealth of knowledge. I'm so grateful we had this time to talk to you and just learn more. I could talk to you for a very long time on all of these different to topics. I'm excited because you're just, you're just barely stepping into your power. I mean, you've had amazing success so far, but I'm excited for what round two, round three, round four come out. I'm excited for the, the John C. Maxwell, Amy Landino. <laughs> Now teaching me like, Hey, that's an, that's another Ohioan, by the way, John C. Maxwell's right around the corner. <laughs> Big okay. shout out. So for everybody that. that's listening, remember anybody that DMS me will get one of these bracelets and one of the copies of her book. And with that said, on behalf of the Len Jones party to podcast family, we appreciate you coming on. Ian, this was so fun. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Till next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Len Jones party of two. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review and subscribe to stay up to date on our new episodes. And remember, hope is not a strategy. Keep making moves. Till next time, peace.